Don't forget to like, follow, subscribe, and turn on notifications so that you will receive alerts when there are new episodes. Go get it. That's what I tell them. I've been grinding for so long, I wake up and chase my goals, I go out and I go get it, how to code, that's all I know, I don't succeed, then I don't breathe, success, what does it mean, if I conquer all my goals, then I'm living out my dream, dig deep, go out and get it, success chronicles, compete until it's finished, success chronicles, go take care of your business, success chronicles, it's deeper than just winning, success this is Chip Baker coming to you with another episode of the Success Chronicles. And today we have my good friend, Miss Darren Carlisle, on with this uh, awesome lady doing some really neat things. And I'm so grateful to have her on this episode. So first, uh, thanks so much for taking the time to interview with the Success Chronicles. Oh, my gosh. Thank you. I'm honored to be a guest. Well, let's go. Let's get it. <laughs> let's do it. Let's get it. Well, if you don't mind sharing with the audience, you know, a little bit about your background and, and your story so they know who you are and what it is you do. Absolutely. Well, like you said, my name is Darren Carlisle. And what I do for a living is um, I'm currently the bilingual director um, in Conroe ISD. I oversee the bilingual and ESL programs all the way from pre-K through 12th grade. Um, and I just recently, last week, accepted um it's still a director position, but it's a little bit of a promotion um, because I do now um, have the responsibility of a much larger department. Um, but I've been uh, I've accepted a position of director of curriculum and instruction for our district, and so I'll be overseeing all of the curriculum departments again, pre-K twelve. So um, that's a pretty pretty big weight to carry, pretty big responsibility. Um, it's definitely. Um, a challenge, but I'm looking forward to having uh, a wider reach and a wider impact on student learning. So I'm really excited about that. Um, but just to share a little bit with you about my background, um, I was born in Cuba. And um, if you know about Cuba, you know that um, opportunities and civil liberties are not the same um, as they are here in the United States. And so um, my dad had been a political prisoner there in Cuba for speaking out against the government. Um, and he had the opportunity in 1980, as many other people who had been in prison in Cuba, to flee through the Mariel boat lift. I don't know if you're familiar with that. The movie Scarface is all about it. <laughs> um, in fact, at the beginning of the movie, there's actual live footage of the Mariel boat lift. Um, so my dad escaped that way and um, he was able to get us out legally. Uh, he secured a visa for us to leave Cuba and fly to Panama. Panama was accepting Cuban refugees at that time. So my mom, my brother, my grandmother and I boarded a plane and we flew to Panama thinking that things were gonna be great when we got there. But when we got there, if you remember, uh, General Manuel Noriega. Um, he was in charge of Panama at that time. In fact, I sat across from him in his office because he met with all of the Cuban refugees coming in. Um, and he shared with us that we were not going to be able, um, my mom was not going to be able to be granted a visa uh, to work, a permit to work. So uh, she was going to have to be sponsored and we didn't have a sponsorship. So as you can imagine, um, it was really difficult. I will say that 
I have never experienced poverty in my life like I experienced when I was there. Um, you know, basically the only thing, the only money that she had was able to get us into a place to live, but it was an empty place. There was no furniture. There was nothing. Um, and so the, the only way that we were able to survive was a little bit of money that my dad can send her every month. And uh, my brother would sweep a warehouse downstairs in the apartment where we live for a dollar. Um, I mean, so when I tell you I went to bed hungry many of nights, I went to bed hungry. Um, my my grandmother had been diagnosed with Hodgkin's lymphoma before we left Cuba. And of course, with no treatment, she lasted a year. So after being there a year, my grandmother passed away. And that's when my dad came from the United States to, you know, I, I wouldn't even say attend. We didn't have a funeral for my grandmother. We couldn't afford that. It, he just came to literally say goodbye. Um, and so that's when he saw like the, I think my mom would tell him how we lived, but until you see it, you know, I don't think it hit him. It hit him like a ton of bricks. And he, he saw the devastation, the poverty that we were living in. Um, I got bitten by the bot fly there, which I don't know if you've heard of that, but you literally have worms under your skin. Um, you get a very high fever when the worm comes out of your skin and the air touches it, the larva, like it opens up and the larva comes out. It, and that was all over my body. It was awful. Um, and so my, my dad came back and he was determined. He had been working for a year to try to get us to the United States legally. And he realized I'm not going to be able to do that. I'm just going to have to bring them over. However, I can get them over. So he asked his uncle who owned a business at the time to please help him co-sign for a loan. And he signed for, um, you know, just a personal loan. Um, and he paid off a coyote $3,000 a head back in 1981, which is like $10,000 now um, to bring us through uh, all of Central America and Mexico illegally. And that's exactly what happened. It took about a week for us to make that trip from Panama City all the way through Guatemala, Honduras, Costa Rica, all the way to Mexico. And and um, we got to uh, Ciudad Juarez, Mexico, which was right at the border of Texas and El Paso. And that's where we crossed the river. Um, that was an experience in and of itself that just that whole week, because as you're transitioning from country to country there, you know, <laughs> You get on the, these military people get on the bus. That's how their customs people are. They're poking you with AK-47s, machine guns. I, the only thing I can tell you is the fear is like no other that I can uh, recall. Um, it's so scary, um, you know, to to think back going through that, that experience. And I was with my mom. So there was a certain level of protection. I think about the kids that go through this every day that we are hearing are being sent by themselves age five, six, seven. I, I don't even know. I was uh, five years old, six years old at the time. And it was 
the scariest because you you don't know you think you're you know this could be it what if his gun goes off and I die right now right here or what if his gun goes off I think scarier for me was my mom dies because my mom right now is my protector um so we got to the coyote's house, had to wait in their house for three days because he wouldn't cross us over um, because the, the patrol was too heavy at that time. So my dad's freaking out, thinking they've done something to us. They've killed us or holding us for ransom. Something like that is happening because he had no way to communicate with them. Um, but finally communication got through, we were able to cross. So we get over to the river where we're going to cross. And I know this sounds like a movie chip, but it is the God honest truth. Everybody strips down except for me, because since I'm the littlest one, they were going to carry me across, but everybody gets down to their underwear. You hold your clothes and you walk, you, you get in the water. It's very shallow and you can walk across. The water comes up to about chest height. And I saw my brother going across. I saw my mom and I start screaming and the coyote tells my mom, you shut her up, you shut her up now, or I'm going to shut her up. And my mom kept telling me, Darren, please be quiet, quiet, please. And all I know is the lights were on one moment and the lights were off. Apparently he punched me in my face and knocked me out. Um, because I, we couldn't risk get, getting caught. And he carried me across the river. And then when I came back to, I just remember my mom was carrying me and we were, she was running, running, running. And we fell and we rolled and we ran. We got to an 18 wheeler, got in the back of that 18 wheeler. They closed the door. Um, it is hot. You can barely breathe and, um, it's quiet. And it's just rolling, 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 rolling. And then finally, the 18-wheeler stopped. They opened that door, and it had pulled into a motel. And my dad was right there waiting for us. As, uh, there was about 15 of us that came in that 18-wheeler, and their family members were there waiting for them as well. Um, and I just remember my mom being... My mom and dad embracing and being so happy. And I, I was happy, um, you know, that I felt like finally, you know, we were safe. Um, but I will tell you, um, and this kind of concludes that little part of my story, is that there are so many unintended consequences of that decision that my dad made to bring us illegally. Because when we got here, there was a $10,000 debt that had to be paid. And so we now had a mom and dad, my brother and I now had a mom and dad who were working day and night. They worked two jobs, both of them to try to pay that off because you got to pay that off. Um, and then my brother and I, I hate to use the word neglect because I feel like that's kind of a strong word. But essentially, we were. We were very neglected. Um, I had a brother that had PTSD because he was 12 years old. He knew what was happening. I didn't, you know, and I repressed that. But my brother had PTSD and needed a dad. And my dad wasn't there because my dad was working. So I had a brother that got heavily involved in drugs to kind of soothe that PTSD. And then I was the only one home to take the brunt of when he was mad because he couldn't get, you know, a fix. 
And so what happened is I was, I was being physically abused on a daily basis, like beat up. I'm telling you beat up. Uh, there was one time I had to go to the hospital, the people across the street, thank God saw what was going on called 911 because he let the garage door fall on my head. And they said, I just fainted. Um, and I had a concussion, um, you know, CPS was called, but nothing ever happened. So these are unintended consequences that cause so much trauma and so much suffering to our kids. And then, you know, being in a Latino family, you know, you keep your problems to yourself. You don't air out your dirty laundry and you certainly do not seek out counseling or mental health services. And that is just one of the things that I hope in, in this job that I've tried to do is to change that. Um, there is no shame in saying I have a problem and I need help. Um, and, and and getting putting that awareness out there to our families um, because our kids are suffering and they're suffering in silence. And if I had somebody to intervene early on and say, hey, you know, your daughter needs therapy, I probably would have learned to become, um, you know, a I have been successful and I have, you know, obviously, um, you know, been able to kick down a lot of barriers, but it hasn't been easy. And I have had, you know, as a 40 year old woman earlier on five years ago, had to start going to therapy because I realized that, you know, some of the damage that was done was causing problems in relationships. Um, You know, I had a lot of resentment towards my mom and dad. I had to work through that. The the people who got me here, who got me here, who I owe everything to, I was so mad at them and so angry. It's like, why did you let that happen to me? How, how could you? There was some sexual abuse as well, not from my brother, but from a family friend. But my mom and dad were never there to know, you know, and I was afraid to say something because I was afraid my dad would kill him really. And then I was going to lose my dad again. I had lost my dad for two years and I was afraid to lose my dad again. So, um, you know, just so many little unintended consequences that, you know, you don't ever think about, you just do what you got to do to get your family here. And, and you never think about all of these little things that, you know, just, it's like a domino effect. Um, But I will say I am so grateful to my mom and dad for even though it was a hard, hard road um, for doing what they did um, and bringing us to a much better place, because this is the land of opportunity. This is the only country in the world where if you're willing to put forth the effort, it doesn't matter what color you are. It doesn't matter what you have or what you don't have. If you are willing, now I'm not saying you don't have to work harder. (laughs) You may have to work harder than other people, but if you're willing to put in that work, you're willing to put in that effort, man, there's nothing you can't accomplish. And I feel like I am a perfect example of that. Illegal, not not anymore. (laughs) Thank God. You know, we got that worked out. (laughs) But I mean, I came in illegally. I am Latino, uh, brown. You know, um, my mom and dad are not educated. I did not have that, you know, 
great family life where people are reading books to you every day, the one that we want for our children. I didn't have any of that. You know, um, I had physical abuse, sexual abuse, um, you name it. And, um, and here I am, you know, so I feel like I'm a wonderful example that if anybody can do it, it can be done. Man, you know, just hearing uh, your story, there was a couple of times where I had to take some deep breaths, like, man, like you said, this is, it's not a movie, <laughs> like this is real. And it's, it's crazy to hear that. And man, it just makes me say, wow. And I think a lot of times, you know, people see us um, when we achieve some things where we are now, but they don't know the things that we've had to grow through in our life, which make, which has made us who we are now. And so, and thank you so much for sharing that story and just hearing that, um, I would consider that to be hugely successful. <laughs> so, so let's, A uh, bit. yeah, hugely successful. So, so let's hit on success. Uh, what is, yeah. what is your definition of success? Well, I think that one of the important things um, in your definition of success is to be grateful and to realize that, um, you know, when you get wherever it is that, you know, you're called to getting to, that um, you didn't do it alone and that there were people along the way that helped pave the way and that helped support you along the way. So, you know, I'm always grateful to my mom and dad because they instilled, um, you know, the one thing I did observe was hard work from them. So they instilled that in me from a very early age. I'm grateful to the teachers that I had because I I remember like I, I was in choir in high school and I never had my mom and dad come listen to me sing because they were, you know, working. And I would share that with my teachers and my teachers would show up. They were like my mom and dad at the concerts, you know, supporting me. And I'd be like, oh, what are you doing here? And they're like, we're here to hear you. And I'm like, Wow. So, you know, there were people who made me feel special, which is what kids need. Kids need to be made to feel they need to know that they're important and that they're valued and that they we all need that. Right. Kids really need it. And kids from poverty and kids with trauma needed more. Right. And so they they did that. So I'm grateful to them. And I'm just grateful along my my journey. I've had people that have given me opportunities that have believed in me, our superintendent, our assistant superintendents, my principals, you know, um, colleagues along the way um, in college. Some of my professors that were like, wow, you know, you really should think about being an author. You're a great writer. You know, just those little seeds that they plant. Words are so powerful. Um, so I think grateful is one. The other definition, my definition of success would also have service in it. You, you know, I feel like um, I don't feel successful if I'm not serving in some way or another. And so that's why I do what I do, because um, I feel like now yeah. Okay. So I, I, I've achieved, I've been successful. So now how do I pave that way for other people like myself who have had trauma, who have come illegally, you name it, who have obstacles, you know, they were born into poverty and they need to break the cycle of poverty. Well, we know that we do that through education. So now I feel like I'm, I'm in that 
perfect place to make a difference in other people's lives and to make their lives better um, and to encourage them and empower them. And so um, I would say that success to me is is those things, being thankful to those who have helped us get to where we are because we, we never do it alone, and then being uh, serving so that we can continue um, not to just spread success in our own lives, but into other people's lives. So good. <laughs> so good. <laughs> well, well, before we get off, if you don't mind sharing with the audience so they can go follow you and check you out with all of the amazing things you have going on. Yeah, so you can always find me on the Conroe ISD website in the teaching and learning department. Um, like I said, right now I'm in transition between two jobs, so you'll find me under the bilingual ESL um, page, but you can, you'll can you soon find me under the curriculum and instruction page. And then um, I'm also on Twitter, so feel free to follow me there. Um, I'm at B-I-L-E-S-L girl. That's my handle there. And, um, I think I'm on Instagram too, I, but I have Instagram to follow up on my kids. Cause you know, I have three boys and, um, I have to make sure that, you know, we're, we're, we're keeping it legit chip. <laughs> we can't be telling so, all those secrets. <laughs> yes. I have two, two of them are, um, are teenagers and, uh-huh. and I have one that's, entering that pre-adolescence age yeah, so yeah. um they're at that age where i where mom's got a check so um, <laughs> I'm, I'm on instagram there and i'm you can find me under darren carlisle it's just one mm. word um you can find me there so either way on my instagram you'll see my personal life i keep it i keep them separate instagram is more of my personal life and then twitter is strictly professional um and so that that's how you can follow me. Well, again, I just want to say thanks so much for taking the time to interview with the Success Chronicles. Truly appreciate it. And I wish you continued success. Thank you so much, Chip. And I want to thank you for having a platform like Success Chronicles that shares the stories of people like myself who have overcome so many challenges, um, but are great mentors to others that are coming along and, and, and have a similar journey. We, we, can, we can certainly um, do this together. Yes, yes, yes. Well, again, thank you. And thank you guys so much for checking out this episode. We'll see you next time. God bless. Go get it.